We've followed this news story of Tyree Nichols, a black man who was uh, uh, stopped in a traffic stop and was beaten to death by five officers in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, after one week, um, 13 days after the five officers were fired, and one week after that they were arrested and charged with murder, kidnapping, assault, and acts of misconduct. We watched the video, which was just a horrific thing to watch. And with us to discuss uh, this police brutality case is one of uh, Mr. Nichols' attorneys, Antonio Roman from the law, Chicago law firm of Romanucci and Blandin, which is one of the city's premier firms concentrating in personal injury, malpractice, class action, police misconduct. And he was also one of the attorneys for the family of George Floyd. Antonio, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're on a conference and you took, took some time here to talk to us. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Karen. Happy to do it. My pleasure. Let's talk a little bit about some of the technical parts, since this is a legal show. Um, Kidnapping. I think some people were a little surprised that there was a charge of kidnapping. Can you tell our listeners why this charge and if it's significant in any way? I, I think it is very significant, Karen. I mean, you don't hear about kidnapping charges being associated with police officers, especially ones who are acting under color of law. I have seen kidnapping before when the police officers um, have sexually assaulted, um, you know, people, uh, traffic stops where they've taken people out of their car or done something of that nature. But in this particular instance, we're talking about kidnapping and not the kind where somebody's thrown into a white van and they speed away. This is about where somebody whose liberty is confined uh, intentionally, purposefully, and they can't get away from whoever is confining their space. And interestingly, the Tennessee statute on kidnapping also includes the word terrorize. So they, you are confining someone's liberty in a method which terrorizes the individual. So when you look at this in context, in the breadth and scope, of what these police officers did to Tyree Nichols. I think the kidnapping charge is very significant. Um, I'm not going to say it's historic, but it's very close to it. I have not seen one in, in my practice in uh, ever at any time. So I, I think this is certainly a case of first impression, at least for modern-day society. There are there's tons of stuff on the web of rumors and things flying around and i'm not sure if you can even address this but i've just read a lot of accounts that that seem to indicate that there's a thought that perhaps one of the officers knew tyree nichols and had a vendetta against him maybe he was he knew the guy's wife i I don't know and if those are just speculative things is that anything that you can weigh in on because you know it's just so hard for us to understand the anger when we watch this video these aren't like cops that are just doing their job and maybe they overstep. They seem like they were angry right from the get-go, and, and it's just inexplicable. And, and we're, like, maybe people are trying to f- attach some sort of uh, rational motive, um, but is this something that you know anything about? Here, here's what I can talk about, Karen. You know, first of all, you're, you're right. When we look at the first video, the first encounter where He is stopped at this supposed traffic stop, which, by the way, I don't believe for a second, and we can talk about that later also. Um, You would think that there was something that would have caused this aggression where they went from zero to ten in absolutely nanoseconds. There was no, 
you know, ramp up. It was just, they were at a 10 as soon as they stopped and they had put guns on him. They pulled him out of the car they pepper sprayed him. They chased him down. They hunted him. They found him and then they beat him. And it would be so easy, so easy to think that, my God, there has to be a personal reason for this to happen because we don't want to believe that any type of modern-day policing could have this sort of violence and brutality and savagery associated with it. It had to be personal, right? Right. That's what we want to believe. But I'm going to tell you a little story, too. When George Floyd was murdered, you know, the Internet was, was, was um, buzzing because there was this personal connection that everybody wanted to make between Derek Chauvin and George Floyd. It had to be personal. He had to know him. He had to have wanted to do what he was doing to George. And those rumors all turned out to be just that, rumors. They were all false. And, and I can't comment as to Tyree's uh, relationships or anything of that nature because it's so speculative and it wouldn't really matter to the causation of the case. It still is a case of police brutality, whether it was personal or not. And I don't believe these personal issues that are coming up because people want to find a reason to believe it had to be personal because if it wasn't personal, this was real police brutality at its absolute worst. Antonio, again, this is just speculation, but you know, you are a person that has been involved in some of these very high profile police brutality cases, including George Floyd. And we've watched the videos and, and we've just discussed this right now about how horrific they are. And you must sit there now. And I will tell you, I love my police officers. I love the police officers in my neighborhood. They are friends. I, I'm glad they're there to protect me. Uh, I, they do a great job. And, and I think these are aberrations, but. You must have given some thought to what causes this group of scorpions to act in this fashion. And I'm telling you, I've said this a million times already, this doesn't look like it's their first violence rodeo. It looks like this is something they've done before. So what what do you think is going on here? Where have we gone wrong in training or is it in selection and hiring? Where do you think the problem is? Well, certainly, I mean, if you're you're just going to look at the video and try and find what the problem is, I think we're all going to fail if we try and analyze the video and find out, figure out why this happened. The why is not in the video. The why is in the police culture. And it is indeed the culture of the Scorpion unit, whether it be Scorpion unit or Karen, you might remember in Chicago, we had the SOS units, yes. the, um, the, the special operations squads. These, these specialized units, they're suppression units, they're saturation units. You know, I like to call them oppression units. They have a mission. Their mission is typically to prevent crime, and they get to do it really with a blind eye. They get to do it with a wink and a nod. You do what you have to do to get guns and stolen cars off the streets and we'll take care of you on the back end. So again, the analysis here is of the why is not in particular to the video, but it is to the culture. And when you look at these five police officers and, and trust me, uh, blame accountability goes way beyond these five. 
but let's just look at these five for now. Their combined um, experience was 21 years for five police officers combined. Um, they had no supervision. You know, what we in Chicago like to call a white shirt. Nobody was there to supervise them. Nobody was there to give them direction. The only type of direction that they got, unbelievably, was from that officer, Hemphill, who was part, was the officer in the first encounter after Tyree got away, who said, I hope they stomp his ass. So that was the only direction that these officers received. And I agree with you. This was not the first incident. We've heard from many people who were roughed up and beaten by the Scorpion Squad because they were given the impunity to sting people, right? That's why they're called Scorpion. That's why they're called SOS Squad. That's why they have names like Red Dog or Titan. Those are examples of other types of these units throughout the country that hopefully are all going to be disbanded. So that's kind of how we have to analyze this situation. Let's take a break. We're talking to Antonio Ramanucci from the law firm of Ramanucci and Blandon, one of uh, our city's premier law firms concentrating in personal injury, medical malpractice, police brutality. Antonio, before we take a break, can you just give out your phone number or contact information for any listeners who have an issue that they'd like to talk to you about? Oh, thank you, Karen. Uh, the phone number is 312 458 and the website is rblaw.net. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll be talking more about this case and some of the other cases uh, that you've been involved in. Uh, we're listening to the Karen Conti Show on WGN. We're here with attorney Antonio Romanucci, uh, who is one of the attorneys for Tyree Nichols. And one of the texters, uh, Antonio, said, uh, why aren't we mentioning the race of the officers? And actually, I disagree that we haven't been mentioning the race of the officers. The officers were black, uh, and that seems to me that it makes this more disturbing. And I guess what I'd like to, to know from your standpoint is, what does this say about the racial aspect of police violence? Is it the race of the police that matters, or is it the, the de- what, what is the determinant effect, the race of the police or the race of the victim, or is this just brutality across the board? Well, I, I think the race of the officers is, is less of an issue than people are making here, because the, the real issue is Tyree's race. And when you look across the spectrum, the disproportionality of, of police misconduct um, happens to be minority communities, the black and brown communities. And that's what we've seen. You know, when you look across the board, when you look at the names that people keep repeating across the country, whether it's Breonna Taylor, Eric Garner, um, you know, uh, Laquan McDonald, uh, George Floyd, Tyree Nichols, Javier Ambler, Byron Williams, they're, they're all black. Nobody is calling out the names of, of white victims of police brutality. You know, Tamir Rice, um, and we can keep going on and on. Um, you know, Botham Jean in Texas, we can keep talking about it, but, but it's hard to come up with a white name if we keep repeating. So, you know, to, to, your, to your texter who's asking, we're not talking about the race of the officers, well, unfortunately, racism within police departments is cultural, and, and, and it doesn't matter what the race of the police officer is here. I, I, I'm sorry, it just does not matter. 
It's the race of the victim, which is what we have to look at. After the George Floyd case settled and you were part of that that negotiation, you were quoted as saying this case has been set as a watershed event for civil rights in America and around the world. I can tell you this does feel like a turning point for police reform, but only because there were conscious choices that were made to do so. Gosh, you know, I I wish that I could, as you look back, Antonio, like, do you look at that and say, I wish that were the case, but it really isn't? Wow, you really reminded me of something, you know, and and I and I remember saying those words, Karen, and and I would have thought I I, w- I would have bet house money, I would have bet my money over house money, that there was no chance that we would have left Washington D.C. without federal reform, and and there was nobody, you know, who was sadder and more disappointed, you know, than Ben Crump, myself, and all the activists and all the people who worked so hard to try and get something across the finish line. And and it would make me even sadder and more disappointed if we'd fail with Tyree Nichols now. We, we have to come up with some sort of reform package now. And the reason that we have to do it out of Washington is for this reason. We cannot leave it up to the individual states to keep trying to reform policing. We need a consistency across our country. We need uniformity. Right now, Illinois has passed the Safety Act. Parts of it are being contested. Parts of it are being said are unconstitutional. Which, Whatever happens, some part of the Safety Act will live on. But Wisconsin doesn't have a Safety Act. Indiana doesn't have one. Iowa doesn't have it. So we, we, we have these different standards for policing. There are 17,000 police departments in this country, and each one has a different standard, different rules, different directives. We need some uniformity. Do you think now is the time? Do you think, I mean, if you look at the swiftness with which the Memphis Police Department reacted, it wasn't a year, uh, you know, like in Laquan McDonald's case, where they finally brought charges after all this time and, and things were kept uh, undercover. This was, this was, this happened very quickly. Um, is that a good sign that we're moving in that direction? Or is this just because police departments have to do this because of the unrest that results when you don't? Well, I, I think it's a combination. I think it's it's certainly both, Karen. Uh, the, the the rapidity at which this happened is something that is uh, very um, complimentary, but I don't want to give the Memphis Police Department brownie points for doing that because I think that we're going to uncover a lot of bad things as a result of what we saw from Tyree Nichols. But, but I think what, what's more encouraging is that Washington is acting so quickly. Uh, Tuesday, you know, there's going to be the State of the Union address from President Biden. He has invited family members of police who have suffered as a result of police brutality to be at the State of the Union. And I think that's very important that Washington is taking notice of this and that hopefully something can happen. We've got to get this across the finish line. This is not a Republican or a Democratic issue. It, 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 it's a it's an us issue. It's a citizens issue. And I think once we get past this being a political issue, we can actually have meaningful reform. I hope so. You uh, represent some of the families 
in the Highland Park shooting massacre that occurred on the Fourth of July. And one of the one of the things that uh, was interesting were the charges that were brought against um, the shooter, the alleged shooter's father, uh, for signing that Foyd card. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about those charges and whether you think those are fair? I, I'm assuming you think those are very fair charges. Well, you know, once again, you know, when you're looking at, at, a, at a massacre such as what happened in Highland Park, a tragedy such as that, there, there isn't just one piece of the, of the system or one piece of the family that fails here. And clearly in this case, you saw that there were failures, you know, on the father's part who played a great hand in giving his son, in giving his son the card. He actually made sure that his son purchased this card so that his son could go and buy guns, knowing that there was mental health issues in the household. So are the charges appropriate? The answer is yes. But I'll still stand by the fact that he's still you know, innocent until proven guilty. He deserves his day in court. If the jury says that he's not guilty, well, then we'll live with that. But in the meantime, we have to make sure that we assign accountability to all people in all of these instances, or else we're going to keep having these mistakes happen and these massacres will continue to happen. You know, a lot of people will look at personal injury lawyers and mass tort lawyers and, and people like that and say, oh, well, you're just making money on it. And I am a firm believer that the plaintiff's lawyers in this country over the last at least 50 years have been responsible for some of the best changes in the law and some of the only ways that, that governments and businesses finally say, you know what, we can't afford not to have more protection. We can't afford not to have better rules and to have cleaner water and to have all the things that we should have. Um, so let's just turn, Just we have just a few minutes left. Sterogenics, I know you were lead counsel on that. Can you just tell uh, the listeners just in a very brief way what, what that uh, case was about? And I, I know it's coming to an end. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that is a perfect case of corporate accountability. There was a company, Sterogenics, who was emitting, you know, very dangerous chemicals. Uh, but which was very necessary chemical in the process of medical sterilization. And this, this facility was located in a neighborhood, uh, in a neighborhood where it was unassuming. It was just located, um, you know, by a target. It was located just hundreds of feet from homes. And, and this emission was being uh, emitted from this facility and was being breathed in by people who didn't know that they were breathing in this chemical. Uh, for years and years, and for a while, there were no controls on these emissions. And eventually what happened is that people started getting sick, and not only sick, but sick with cancer, sick with cancer that would either cause uh, death or, or very serious harm. And it was plaintiff's lawyers who brought this to light, who brought this issue to light, and are looking to bring justice to those who were sickened by this chemical. And uh, hopefully that will be a message that gets sent out to, to companies so, so they can do these kinds of things in a, in a safer fashion. Uh, Antonio Romanucci, thank you so much for joining us. I just want to give your firm a plug. You guys do such good work, and you're really on the forefront of a lot of these police brutality cases, these mass tort cases. Uh, and uh, I really um, I thank you for doing this kind of work. Romanucci and Blandin, uh, they do personal injury, medical malpractice, class action, police misconduct. 
conduct. And please, again, give us the contact information for your farm. Thank you, Karen. Uh, The phone number is 312-458-1000, and the website address is rblaw.net. It's such a pleasure to be on your show always. Thank you, Karen. Antonio, thank you so much for joining us. I know you took some time out of your conference, and now you can go back in conference. (laughs) Thanks, Karen. All right. Take care of yourself.